Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls, real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others, here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. And tonight we have another incredible health breakthrough show for you. We have a tremendous guest. His name is Dr. Hannibal Miles. We are going to be talking about amazing cancer breakthroughs, new tests, new treatments, and we're going to be talking about chronic illness, Epstein-Barr, Lyme disease, you name it, we're going to have it covered tonight, so stay tuned. And first, let's check in with PK. PK, how are you tonight? We're doing just fine. The winds have got me a little, sounding a little bit like a frog, but it's the way (laughs) it is. In Arizona, the winds have been blowing crazy today, and of course, all that lovely pollen. Woohoo! Oh, lucky you. So tell us, what's going crazy. on with the numbers? What's happening? The world is still crazy, but tell us what you're you're seeing coming up for us. Well, you know, I've taken a look at things going umpteen different directions. This is a month of major changes, and it's being in charge, being in control. And there's not a lot that's that's balancing or feels like it's balanced. And we have to, if we take a look at our own personal numbers, our our information that we need to take a look at is our own tool to help us make through some of these things that are taking place. Your birthday is very important because that that number of your birthday shows a lot about who you are and how to work with things. And understanding how to make it better, don't let yourself get frustrated when things don't seem to work out just right because it is a one month. It's about are making fresh starts and new beginnings. But we've got, it seems like somebody's hung a little bit of an anchor on our backside so we can't go quite as fast as we'd like to, mm-hmm. unfortunately. <laughs> but we need to consider the numbers. If you look at your month and day of birth, add those together to a single digit. That tells us a lot about what's going on. But each number of our name, each letter has a number to it. And we've, we're getting conflicting information going on. The universe is trying to lead. We've got the planetary aspects doing all kinds of crazy things. So there's nothing that I would right now consider normal. We're getting ready to go into some planets that are going to be going retrograde on us on top of this wanting to be in charge, be in control, and it's not happening. So I'm going to put something out every day on my web page the the um, I should say the uh, uh Facebook page 
what I put out every day will give you a hint of what's going on. But it's hard to make a decision of what to do and what not to do. We get conflicting answers going back and forth for us. To get a chance to get along better with ourselves, we're going to have to stop and take a look at every number in our birth date, our month, and our day. Each represents something. But every letter of our name also represents something about us. So I'm going to try to post something that tells you what each number represents and see if that won't help give you some trigger to make some changes that will be to your betterment. It's kind of crazy right now. Nothing feels comfortable. Nothing feels calm. Everything feels a bit out of control. And like I said, it is a one. One says fresh starts and new beginnings. But it's like, as I said, having an anchor on our backside. We're trying to go forward. It's not letting it happen. We're getting pulled back. And there's too many things in the outer world that is uh, not going according to what we would consider the norm, whether it's what we hear from the government, what we hear from people that we're talking with. It, nothing feels normal. It's, it's like having one of those paddles with a rubber band and a ball to it that you keep bouncing up and down. You throw it up and it keeps coming back, but it hits it in a different place. So it's right. just trying to hold tight and make it work as best we can. All right. And for everybody that wants to take a look at their individual numbers, go to patriciakirkman.com and you will find all the information there. And if you want to get a hold of PK for an individual reading, you can find her there. You can also find her at supernaturalgirls.com, either place. So, yes, uh, it's really interesting to watch what's happening around us, especially with UFOs. There was a new study that came out, a new report, saying that most Americans mm-hmm. believe that UFOs are real, and they also know that the government's lying to them about it. What a surprise. Well, our audience already knew that. That's old news to us, but now it's coming out from CBS, of all places, mainstream media. So just keep an eye on everything. There's a lot of things going on with UFOs. We're supposed to get the report June 1. It will not have everything in it. I am sure of that. But just keep watching our Facebook page because we'll be posting whatever we're finding out from the underground and from what mainstream is going to try to convince you of. So, <laughs> well, and you also notice military and coming back with stories that they were, were were having to keep quiet on before, and now they're starting to say, "Yeah, I've seen this for years. We used to see this all the time." And yeah, because you were on military be- bases, so you you've very got very used to all of this. So, here we go, everybody. Uh, it's it's wild times, <laughs> but tonight. Again, we have just a terrific show about health. But one more thing I just want to share with you before we bring Dr. Miles on the show. Someone brought this to my attention. We've been talking about the Grabovoid codes for changing your life, manifestation. Well, there's a new level of codes here by someone by the name of Adjusta. So I'm going to give you one of Adjusta's codes. They do this a little differently. This is channeled information. And we've been giving you a lot of prosperity codes because that's what you asked for. So here's another one, and this is something you repeat 45 times, and they suggest 
making knots on a string, 45 knots on a string, kind of like rosary beads, I guess, if you want to compare it to that. And you just repeat the number. Here's the number that you guys have been asking for. It's very similar to the 520 number, which is unexpected money. This one is 897, so give it a try. 897, and let us know what happens. We still are getting all kinds of stories back from you on success with these numbers, and that's what we like to hear is all the success and all the fun you're having with it. So give that a try. Let us know how it goes. And now for our show, let me introduce our guest, Hannibal Miles, naturopathic doctor, completed his undergraduate studies at Washington and Jefferson College, achieving a B.A. in Business Administration with minors in Chemistry and Spanish, as well as completing the pre-health track. Though originally on the path towards a traditional medical education, he found his passion in natural, holistic, and preventative forms of medical care. He went on to attend the University of Bridgeport College of Naturopathic Medicine. There he graduated with honors and with a doctorate degree in naturopathic medicine and master's in human nutrition. His thesis, entitled Breakfast May Not Be the Most Important Meal of the Day, The Benefits of Intermittent Fasting on Health, Exercise, and Muscle Growth, was accepted in the university's Faculty Research Day in 2018. As a certified nutrition specialist, Dr. Miles seeks to guide individuals in appropriate, specific diet plans tailored to their needs. Dr. Miles also specializes in detox, weight loss, longevity, cancer prevention and treatment, and he uses an integrative and holistic approach in treating these and many other ailments, including high cholesterol, hypertension, diabetes, allergies, gastrointestinal issues, and autoimmunity. By employing an integrative and holistic approach, Dr. Miles is able to get to the root cause, which is so important, of illness in order to elevate health and well-being. Dr. Miles, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's our pleasure. We have so many questions for you. And first of all, what was it that that got you so interested in health and wellness? Well, it's funny because I don't have that, you know, as most doctors have that story where they had like a family member or they had a personal experience that kind of brought them to medicine. Mine actually happened after graduating undergrad, and that's kind of where I discovered the natural side of medicine. I was traditionally... I was originally on the traditional medical school route, the traditional allopathic school route, and then um, I realized that I, I used to suffer from acne a lot, and then I would go to the dermatologist, and they would be they would they would just prescribe a um, steroid or a topical cream, and it never and to me that just never felt right. While I was applying for medical school, um, I was like I randomly found naturopathic medicine just by Googling holistic doctor in. And then I saw that there was a, a, a four-year uh, track uh, comparable to a medical school that specializes in natural medicine. I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. This speaks more to my heart. I, was always, I always viewed drugs as, um, you know, kind of covering up the symptoms and not getting to the root cause of the, of the, the issue. And, um, of course, there's a place for that, but I feel like a lot of the conventional medicine really, you know, overlooks 
the actual cause of um, of disease. And then I applied to go to the University of Bridgeport, was accepted, and then you know the rest is history. It's how I became a naturopathic doctor. Well, it's very exciting what you're involved with, and I know a lot of people today, when they get a diagnosis of cancer, it's terrifying. And it's a huge landscape. A lot of people don't know which way to turn. If they want something other than traditional treatment or in addition to traditional treatment, it's very difficult to navigate that landscape. But you have quite a few tools in your arsenal, and one of them is the RGCC test. Now, tell everybody, if you would, about this test. It's quite remarkable. So the RGCC, they they have a number of tests specific to um, treating, well, not necessarily treating, but really analyzing cancer on on different levels. The one test that's the most popular and the most um, that gives us the most detail is called the Oncomics Plus, and this test consists of four different parts. There's it it tells you the amount of circulating tumor cells um, in in the body. Now, circulating tumor cells are important, so let me just break this down for you. Um, with cancer, you tend to have a primary tumor in some region of the body. Now, part of that, those, those cells that are from the tumor can break off and land in different areas, and that's called metastasis. And that, that, that's really what, uh, where the danger of cancer lies, when it spreads to some other part of the body, lands in, say, the liver or the lung or someplace that's, that's detrimental, that's 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 where um, the dangers of cancer really lie. So, what the te- that first part of the test will tell you how many circulating tumor cells are within are within your body. Um, the second part of the test will actually tell you the genetics of the cancer cells. Now, a lot of people when they come to me, they say, "Oh, I've already had my genetics tested, and cancer doesn't run in my family." Now, one. It's, it's good to know that cancers are generally five to maybe five to ten percent um, genetic. The rest oh. is, is, is very environmentally caused. So uh, we rarely see patients that have a genetic disposition to cancer, or or you know, that we, or that we can say that this was the cause of the cancer. A lot of it is environmental. But the genetics that we're talking about in in this test is specific to the to the cancer cells themselves. Um, not to the family history. So with, with knowing the genetics of the cancer cells, we're able to target um, different defects in the cancer cells um, that, allow it, that, allow us to, that allow us to kill it, honestly. Um, a cancer cell becomes cancer. So, so cancer is basically is our normal cells, but it becomes cancerous because there are certain um, portions of the cell cycle that have dysfunction. So with this, with this genetic portion of the test, we're locating those dysfunctions and triggering um, a process called apoptosis, which means it's going to be, the cell is going to kill itself, um, or, or we, we give it certain supplements that help it kill itself. So that's why the, that genetic portion of the test is very important, and we use a lot of natural supplements and therapies to really affect uh, the cancer cells. Now, the third part of the test is it will tell you we, we take your cancer cells and we test it against all the chemotherapies that are out there. Uh, it's called the chemosensitivity test. So what the RGCC test does is it, it, uh, it after testing the cells, it'll give you a rate out of from 0 to 100% of how sensitive 
uh, the cells were in terms of the chemo, in terms of the chemotherapies, uh, basically killing killing the cells. And what specific, what's special about RGCC is that they don't just test the cells one time to see if it killed it, because cancer cells it, it cancer is really deadly when it mutates. So what they do is they they'll test the cells through six rounds of that chemotherapy. Now, if it makes it past that sixth round, we know that's a strong chemotherapy, and that'll yield a really high percentage. Uh, so when we get back test results, we'll see which chemotherapies yield back a high, risk, a high percentage, and, you know, we'll often advocate for the oncologist to choose and select that specific chemotherapy. And not only does it do that for chemos, it'll do it for immunotherapies, biological substances. Um, and then now we're going to move on to the fourth part of the test, which it does it for uh, the natural substances. So the same way it tests for the chemotherapies, it tests for natural substances such as vitamin C, curcumin, alpha-lipoic acid, um, mistletoe, um, uh, mushrooms. So just a wide variety of, of natural substances uh, that we can test to see what kills your cancer cells. So it's really a, a really comprehensive test, and, I mean, it's done in Greece, and it is an expensive test, so you can't be covered by insurance. But, um, but, I mean, I think you're getting you're pretty much getting the a great overall picture with the um, with that test. Well, yes, because in typical treatment, it's a one size fits all. You have this kind of cancer. We're going to give you this particular chemotherapy, radiation, surgery, whatever, because this is what we do for all the patients. Right, so this is right. so much more specific, and instead of shotgunning, it's it's really very laser-like in its application. So, you, as a patient, you would know exactly where you stand and what's going to work and and what isn't. That is tremendous. Exactly, and what even for patients who decide right off the bat that they don't want to do chemotherapy, we usually recommend them to even do that section of the test. You can do the test without the chemotherapy section, but we say, you know, God forbid something happens down the line where, you know, you may need to resort to chemotherapy, and at least we have the one that works specifically for you instead of blindly choosing, you know, going off of um, just going off of studies. You're going off of actual lab results. Yes, and it's it's too bad this isn't covered by insurance because think of the time and energy and also the health benefits of all of this. It's a shame it's not covered. Why isn't it covered? Is it because it's done out of the country? Uh, it's a little bit of, it's kind of two things. So it's, yes, because it's done out of the country. However, there are tests that will test for the circulating tumor cells in America that is covered under insurance, but that's all you're getting is the circulating tumor cells. Um, there's mm-hmm. a test called uh, Biosept. Um, cell search is the one that's FDA approved, and you can get the circulating tumor cell markers. However, their specificity and sensitivity is nowhere near to the strength that the RGCC uh, test is. So that's why I always kind of promote my patients to do the do the Greek test as opposed to any of the ones in the United States. I mean, the ones in the United States for some someone who's financially you know not capable of of, of, of getting that test, then I will you know will, I will work with the ones that we have in the United States. Um, but I've always, you know, promote the Greek test because it's just so comprehensive. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a tool that I would think any cancer patient would want to have. Now, of course, I'm getting a lot of questions here in text asking how much is the test. So what is the cost of the test? So the test ranges anywhere between 24 and $2,600. The reason being is because it is done, uh, is, it is co- the cost is basically off of the standard of the euro. So depending on what the euro to the dollar ratio is, it's around $2,400 to $2,600. Yeah, that's, that's, I know for a lot of people, that's, uh, they can't afford it, but there are a lot of people who can, and it's something they'd want to have. Now, one of the things that surprised me uh, is that there are supplements and things that you can take that actually feed cancer. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so one supplement that many people uh, know as being very helpful is glutathione, and that is your body's number one antioxidant. And it's, it's very good in terms of detoxing and getting rid of toxins. However, cancer cells are your own cells, and they're very smart. So when our body uses glutathione, it uses it to detox um, toxins. The liver uses it um, in terms of um, making sure the, cell, the cells are functioning properly. And the cancer cells take the glutathione and use it to actually protect themselves and keep themselves alive. So with the RGCC test, it'll give you um, a certain marker. If it's above a certain percentage, then you know that the cancer cell is using that glutathione to keep itself alive. So, you know, the RGCC test will also tell us what supplements we should, but also can tell us what things we shouldn't use as well. Now, that's really important because... I mean, a lot of people I know take glutathione, and if they had cancer, they would not have a clue that it could, in fact, be making it grow. So that becomes an extremely important piece of information. Right, exactly. Um, And this this is why I also say when you're, especially when you're delving into, you know, the more alternative and natural field, it's very important to get someone who is versed in, in that field. Um, you know, someone who will work with your oncologist or even have an oncologist that is open to that to that pathway because there's so many patients that I've gotten where, you know, their oncologist is nowhere near being open to anything alternative. They go, you know, directly by the book. And it's not necessarily a bad thing when, you know, you have an oncologist that, that, that understands your pathology, but if they don't, if they're not accepting of any other, you know, forms of treatments that may be additional that may help you, then you know it's it's good it's really it's really better to have a team of people that can attack your cancer cells from different angles as opposed to just one straight shot. So that makes total sense. And I mean, God forbid, if I ever had something like that, I would want you on my team because you are an expert <laughs> with nutrition and supplements. And the other thing I understand from talking with you previously is that. We also need to be aware of changing out the supplements. So you can't just be on the same supplement program ad infinitum. Exactly. You really have to, to change. Tell us why that is. So the cancer, like, like I was saying before, the cancer cells are very intelligent. They're, they're doing anything they can to keep themselves alive. And a cancer is a cancer because, of, because there's defects in the way in their cell cycle and their lifespan. And those defects keep them to keep do anything to keep them alive. So cancer cells are very apt to mutating. And cancer cells can, can one divide rapidly and replicate 
and then they mutate very rapidly. So because the cancer cells can mutate very rapidly, you, you, if you use one treatment, the cancer cells will get used to that treatment, and the ones that survive will now become immune to that treatment. So now this doesn't happen right away, but when the cancer cells become immune, then this, the treatment just becomes less, you know, less, less functional. And then what we do with the RGCC test is we rotate the supplements. So for the first month, you'll do a set of supplements. The second month, we'll switch over to a completely different set of supplements so that the cancer cells never get used to a certain supplement. So even if we go back to the old ones, it was, it was, it was, we didn't have it on for a long enough period of time where the cancer cells would have, been, would have gotten used to it and become immune. So we do a set of rotating supplements, you know, different supplements from the first month, the second month, the third month, or the fourth month. However, we also will keep a baseline or a foundational uh, group of supplements on for the whole time. These supplements are more specific to the genetic factors that I talked about on the second part of the test, um, where when you're affecting these certain genetics, that, 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 that those genetic defects will always be there. That's not that, that that point is not something that the cancer cells will mutate. So that's why we leave those um, supplements in order to affect those specific genetic points. Can you give us an example on what types of supplements you would run throughout the treatment? I know it's different for everybody, but just some examples. Yeah, definitely. So I, I generally like to use curcumin, um, EGCG, uh, grape seed extract. Um, and, and melatonin more for uh, breast cancer patients. The reason why those four really attack uh, many, different gen- many different genes at one time, and because it has that variability, it's able to kill the cancer cells a lot quicker, and I want to be able to keep that on throughout uh, treatment. And a lot of those supplements also help a lot of the conventional um, whether that's chemotherapies, um, immunotherapies. So it's really a synergistic effect. And on top of that, those supplements can be used at higher dosages. Um, you know, most people will take, you know, will go off the bottle of, the, you know, two capsules per day. But when you're dealing with cancer, you know, cancer came on strong, we have to fight with it strong. So we definitely up the dosage of a lot of um, supplements. Well, and I can see why, my goodness, you really need to have somebody like you who's so knowledgeable because there are so many supplements out there and so many treatments um, in the natural world that are being reported, and you don't even know what might conflict with not only your personal cancer uh, genetics but also with other supplements that you're taking, right, because you don't want to do that either. Exactly, yeah. They... They run off of different pathways, and you really you don't want certain things to interact with others. So it's really important that you have someone that is really diligent diligent about your supplemental protocol, and even um, you know working with conventional oncologists, you know they're not as knowledgeable about the supplements, and they're not some of them are not you know not open. That's why it's very important to really have a team of people that are you know coordinated in in your care. Right. Right, because you don't want to invest in all of these supplements and all of this time and effort in whatever treatment you decide on and then find out that you have pieces that are conflicting. So, yeah, the team effort really makes a big difference, a huge difference. And right now, is your practice consisting mostly of cancer patients? 
Yeah, I mainly see cancer patients. I'd say about 75 to 80% of my, my, my practice is cancer patients, along with a few um, you know, weight loss and recently just a, a whole growth in uh, Lyme patients. Wow. Well, before we get into that, because I know we were going to talk about Lyme disease also, I have a question about follow-up with this particular blood test from RGCC, which people, you can find this online at, is it rgcc.com, Dr. Miles? Is that where they should go? rgccusa.com. USA.com, that's right, because it's not based here. So, yes, and also if you want to get a hold of Dr. Miles, Dr. Miles, how should people get a hold of you? You can email me directly at info, I-N-F-O, at drhannibalmiles.com. That's H-A-N-N-I-B-A-L-M-I-L-E-S. Great, great. So there are follow-up tests also that this company offers. Tell us about the follow-up tests. So with the follow-up test, it's not as expensive as the, the main test. You, you get the main test first, and then three to six months later, you'll follow up with um, either the circulating tumor, uh, either just the circulating tumor cells, or another test called the Oncotrace. Uh, you, we really track the circulating tumor cells because that's the best uh, picture of, of, of what we have in terms of seeing the risk for metastases or, the, or you know, the, the severity of the cancer. With most cancers, we want it to be below five cells per 75, uh, 75 milliliters of blood. And then once we hit that benchmark, we want to be below two. Now, the further, or the close, further and closer we are to zero, um, you know, that, that, that will, will have a less, you have a less of a risk to be uh, metastatic. Now, the, second, the other test I just mentioned, the Oncotrace, that includes the circulating tumor cells, but in addition to that, it also gives you other genetic markers, not from the, not from the Oncomics Plus, that, 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 not from the first test, but other genetic markers that show a risk of metastases. So that's why it's, it's very important to follow up with that test to make sure that we're moving along the right track, whether because that test will tell us whether we need to either do a more aggressive therapy, switch out supplements, um, maybe there's more genetic factors that we, we missed, on, missed the first time. So really doing your diligent follow-up is going to be key to your uh, success. And in addition to that, the RGCC also has other therapies that we can do in addition to the supplement um, protocol uh, yielded from the first test. And what are those therapies? One of the therapies, one that I specifically uh, work with a medical doctor who does is called the SOT. And that stands for short oligonucleotide therapy. It's a long name. Basically, it's just a, a, a DNA strand that is created in the lab based off of your cancer cells. So from a general blood draw, we send the blood out to Greece they extract your cancer cells and they make a DNA molecule specific to your cancer cells that actually go in, uh, they get injected into, into, into you uh, when they give us the therapy, and it, it tells the cancer cells to basically uh, kill itself, basically turn off. So it stops the replication of those cancer cells directly. And that now, is, is this what a vaccine, that therapy is. Or is this something totally different from a vaccine? No, so it's not. It's 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 a different therapy from the vaccine. So, 
um, because it is a DNA strand, um, you know, people are thinking, you know, the, 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 the similar to the COVID vaccine, but this is more specific to the to turning off the cancer cells replication ability. And we can use this for we can use this for yeah. It's not necessarily promoting an immune system response. It's more directly killing the cancer cell. So we can use this for not only cancer cells, but we can use this for viruses um, such as Epstein-Barr, varicella, um, cytomegalovirus, or even um, uh, Lyme. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, so many people are suffering with Epstein-Barr and Lyme and all these other viruses. There's not a lot of great effective ways to deal with these things. So this works for that as well. That's tremendous. That's great. Do they yeah, go through the really same protocol then, Dr. Miles? They they go through the same kind of test? I mean, this one is specific to cancer, but does RGCC have tests specific to viruses? So for, they do, actually. It's called the prime spot. And so they, they do accept your regular, the, the test that we do here in order to run it. Um, however, the prime spot is more specific. Um, it, it's a much more specific test in terms of tracking treatment. Um, in the United States, we don't have the, the specific test to track. Well, let, let me let me correct that. We do have the specific test. It's just it's just harder to uh, obtain, and it's not covered by insurance. So, with the Prime Spot, you can you're able to track um, re- reactivation of viruses. You're able to track to see if you're if you're if you're actually getting better um, in terms of um, the viral load with that Prime Spot test. So you don't have to go through it. It's not the same test as the cancer cells with the Oncomics Plus. It's a completely different test that will give you a range um, and, and severity of your virus level. So then when you get the SOT, we can track it uh, through that. And a lot of the generic tests that we do in the United States um, that are done by conventional doctors, there's no way to track that. So that's why the, to the prime spot test is very applicable to someone, say, suffering from, you know, a reactivation of something, and it's not showing up in your uh, conventional labs, and then your conventional doctors say, oh, you're not suffering from an active infection, when in fact it's really a chronic situation that can't be picked up by our tests. Right. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea that there was that adjunct therapy and treatment and tracking. That's for viruses. That's great, because so many people have it. I think you were mentioning a statistic that was quite high. Was it Epstein-Barr that you said over 95% of the people have it? Yeah, that's a lot. Over 90 to 90, 95% of people have been exposed to Epstein-Barr um, in their lifetime. So if we were to do a an IgG test, which is just uh, an antibody response, um, about 90% of the people would have a uh, positive response. So they have had an exposure to Epstein-Barr in their life. And it can get reactivated, so it can go away and it can come back. Right. It can get. Re- it usually gets reactivated in times of stress, which nowadays, who isn't, you know, who isn't stressed <laughs> out? <laughs> get that one. I'm going to have it forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, here's a question from someone in our audience. Laura wrote this. She's asking, what about patients in remission? They live fearing when it might come back, and often it's more aggressive. Will this test um, help find indicators of what those chances are? 
I'm so glad that your audience member asked that question because the RGCC test is literally the best for, for patients in remission because what generally happens, so say, for instance, someone has breast cancer is that, you know, they have stage one, tumor is removed, and then the doctor says, oh, you have clean margins. There's nothing, there's nothing there. You know, come back, you'll do your six-month MRIs, ultrasounds, mammograms, and, you know, you'll be on your way. And what happens is that people, you know, the tests never get picked up by the scans, and then they come back and, and then they have cancer. The circulating tumor, this is why the circulating tumor cells are so important, because even after you get the surgery to, to get the cancer out, we're tracking your circulating tumor cells every three to six months. So if we see a spike in your ter- circulating tumor cells, we have a better judgment way earlier than any scan that, that there may be cancer brewing. So that's why it's very important to, to really track with those circulating tumor cells. Now, and in terms of any other markers, um, there's, there's the conventional cancer cell markers. So for, uh, for breast cancer, for instance, there's uh, CA-15-3, CA-2729. Those are the conventional markers. Now, with the RGCC, we'll use the Oncotrace that I talked about before. That'll give you the circulating tumor cell number, but they also have specialized um, cancer oncotraces. They call them oncotrails. So there's a breast oncotrail, a sarcoma oncotrail, um, a prostate oncotrail, and it has those specific genetic markers uh, for those cancers. So if those start lighting up, then we know we have to, you know, prepare and, you know, start attacking these cancer cells. Right. Now, how important is diet with all of this? extremely important. Diet is the foundation of where your health is now and where your health will be in the future. So to me, a, a change in your, a, that's one thing that I definitely look at when, um, it's, it's, it's one of my pillars that I look at when looking at the causes of, um, of cancer. So you want to look at the diet, you want to look at, in, in terms of the environmental pictures, you want to look at the diet, you want to look at toxins, um, specifically pesticides, heavy metals, mold. But overall, uh, the nutrition is, is the main one. Nutrition is something, you know, you're, you're constantly eating every single day, and what you put into your body does make a difference. Um, you really shouldn't let if, – if you hear a doctor that says that diet has nothing to do with your illness, then run, because that's <laughs> right. completely not true at all. And that's what I got when I was younger um, in terms of when I was suffering from acne. And I can change my diet completely and, you know, kind of pretty much reverse, reverse my acne symptoms. So with cancer, it, you know, you don't want to create an inflammatory state. Cancer feeds on inflammation. So that's why, um, you know, cancer feeds on sugar, which is why I never understood when, you know, a conventional doctor would. Now, I, there's a time and place for conventional. That I don't want to sound like I, I'm, I'm, I'm against conventional because I'm not. I, I work with a lot of conventional doctors, and sure. I love what they do, and I respect what they do. It's just that, you know, when, 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 when they're talking on, more into my field and nutrition, I, I'm, I'm against you, you know, because you went through chemotherapy, and now you should eat ice cream to fatten yourself up. To me, that just doesn't make any sense. You're, you know, you're, you're creating more inflammation in your body, and you're feeding the cancer cells. So, you know, you, you know, being strict with your diet is very important in terms of starving the cancer cells of, you know, of, of you, you basically, you want to, you want to make sure that you're not 
feeding into the cancer cell cycle. So you want to be able to starve the cancer cells and promote um, their death. Because it is an environment, right, that you're trying to change. It's not just getting rid of the cancer. It's changing the whole environment that created it in the first place. So you're talking about exactly. That, that's the best way. That's the best way to put it. Yeah, that's you really important. Sugar. Is there something besides the sugar that also asks as a catalyst to this? Um, sugar is just the main source for inflammation. Now, there's some cancers. Um, prostate is more uh, more uh, a fat, a saturated fat um, feeder, but um, it's mainly sugar um, and anything inflammatory. So sh- sugar is inflammatory. Refined carbohydrates is inflammatory. Processed foods are inflammatory. Um, some high like artificially salted foods can can be inflammatory um even like peanuts at times can be inflammatory it's not necessarily sometimes it's not even necessarily the foods themselves it's what they add to the food that end up being inflammatory so um you know fruits and 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 vegetables are all great for you but it's really important that they are organic they are non-gmo you don't want anything that is um processed in your system organic fruits and vegetables have a lot more nutrients than non-organic, and you really want that nutrient. You don't want to be suffering from some sort of nutritional deficiency while you're fighting off cancer. Um, so you really want to prepare your body in the best way to be ready to fight cancer. Is there any one particular diet, or do you go with a variety based on what type of cancer people have? Because I know there's a lot being said about keto and all of these other things. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? I'm a proponent of keto um, more in the short term than necessarily long term. Uh, for cancer, yes, I could see it because you're, you're, you're not giving your body that sugar. Like keto is very beneficial. However, um, you have to be uh, ensure that your, your keto diet is not just all meat and, 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 and nuts or something like that. You, you still have to make sure that you're getting proper what is called phytonutrients, which are found in um, a lot of vegetables and fruits, and that really helps um, it really provides a lot of antioxidants and, and nutritional support not found in the ketogenic diet. So uh, I, I more look at what the patient's already eating and what their diet currently is and then make changes to that. I don't necessarily go, you know, this one diet, you know, fits for this particular, um, you know, with a, oh, one diet fits all. I'm not really a proponent of a one diet fits all. I like to be more individualized with people's diets. Yeah, that makes sense. Because everybody has their their own uh, way of looking at nutrition and also what works for them. I mean, how about dairy and gluten? Do you find that those are aggravating the cancer and also other chronic illnesses? Yeah. So dairy and gluten are probably one of the top three inflammatory foods out there, and we I I tend to have patients be dairy and gluten free as much as possible. We also run a test. Uh, off of a, a company called U.S. Biotech. There's, there's many different food sensitivity companies out there, but um, we run food sensitivity tests, and they'll tell you exactly what foods are creating inflammation in your body. Um, and we try to limit the amount of inflammation in the body because inflammation is just a proponent for cancer and chronic disease. So some people forget that. It's also inflammation is really the gasoline for chronic disease. And I know we were discussing this before off the air, that there really isn't a good response from traditional medical care for chronic 
illness, autoimmune disease, Lyme disease, Epstein-Barr, all of those things fall under that heading. And I've personally watched this, in with, uh, and I'm appalled, because in traditional medicine, it's just giving prescriptions for the most part. So what do you do with patients that have chronic illness? So, again, it's like it's looking for that root cause, and with with chronic illness, there was a certain series of events that got you to that situation, and we look at a lot of we look more at the environmental factors again, starting with nutrition, um, but also incorporating the mental emotional component as well. You know, stress does you know, increase inflammation in the body. Stress does play a huge role in your, um, in your mental um, health, and a lot, and a lot of um, autoimmune disease and even cancer comes from stress. Chronic disease, a lot of that comes from stress as well. So in addition to the physical, we do work on the mental, emotional aspect as well. But if we're taking it back to the physical, nutrition, um, heavy metal, a lot of the same environmental uh, sort causes of cancer can be applied to uh, autoimmune and chronic disease. Hmm, that's so interesting. So heavy metal poisoning—that's something you've mentioned several times. How do you how do you handle that? How do you treat that? Uh, first, you have to do what is called either a, pro- a provocation test, or um, you can do a test by blood. However. Blood only really shows you the amount of heavy metal exposure within 30 days. You want to do either a urine test or a hair test to show you chronic exposure, and that chronic meaning uh, months to years. So you either take a, what's called a provocation, uh, either a pill called DMSA or EDTA from your uh, medical doctor, and um, that allow, that it's a process called chelation. So chelation, it, it binds to the metals and, and pulls it safely out of your system. So then when they test the urine, we'll see um, how much metal come out. And, you know, you'd be surprised at how much heavy metal toxicity is out there. And, and heavy metals really dampen the immune system and weaken the immune system. So even whenever we're doing some sort of, you know, protocol, we want to make sure that heavy metals are out um, because it'll, it'll really help all the other the supplements and everything that we're doing work a lot better. Definitely. Now, where do these heavy metals hang out in your body? Is it in the bloodstream, in the organs, in the skin? Where I mean, do they just so infect everything? What happens with heavy metals? So they mainly get stored in, 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 in the fat cells. So any, any toxins in general get stored in the fat in, in the fat cells. So the um you know the more fat cells you have then the more uh, toxins you, you tend to store. But they can be stored in organs, bones, um, anywhere. So that's why it's important to get a, uh, a chelate or something that can bind to it and pull it out of the tissues. Um, and so that's what sometimes people will just do the blood test instead of doing a provocation test, and the blood test shows nothing, but the provocation is pulling it out of the tissue. So then you're, you're getting a, kind of a sample size of uh, how much heavy metal toxicity is in your body. And then once we have that, we can do work on a, on a, on a treatment protocol to slowly detoxify your system of these heavy metals. And it, it's important, you know, to, to kind of have someone that does and know, understands the protocol because you can, you, when you're pulling out heavy metals, you, not only do you want it out of the tissues, you need to make sure it gets out of the body properly. So you really have to work on, you know, what is, is the patient um, 
having uh, bowel movements daily? You know, um, are they sweating enough? You know, are they doing saunas? Things that help promote detoxification. Are they drinking enough water? Even it used to obviously probably not anymore, but there's a lot of people that um, you'd be surprised what they think. You know, how much water you should drink in a day, um, and what what counts and what doesn't count as water. Coffee, you know, doesn't count as water. Coffee is, is a diuretic. It will actually pull, caffeinated coffee will actually pull water out of your system. So, you know, you really want to make sure you're drinking at least half your body weight in ounces um, in water. Oh, okay. That's quite a bit. That is. Yeah. It, yeah, depending on how, yeah, depending on how much you weigh, it, it could be quite a bit. But um, the average uh, SDS is, is 64 ounces of water. And, I'm I'm actually happy with that if I see, see, see patients doing that because most people don't really get to half their body weight in ounces. But um, ideally, you want half your body weight in ounces. It really helps with, with, with detoxification and, and just promoting overall health. And what about now, you are also a certified IV specialist, and, and I've heard about chelation, IV chelation. Is that one of the things that people use to get rid of the heavy metal poisoning? So, yeah, so you can, so I, because I work with um, Dr. Fratellone in, in New York City, I, I got IV certified, so I have the, I, 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 know, I understand the process, but I can't actually do the IVs uh, because of the, uh, the laws in, in, in New York State or even in, in Connecticut. Naturopaths aren't allowed to do uh, IVs. So it's done under um, the medical doctor. And he uses, you know, EDTA uh, for chelation. EDTA um, is a compound that binds highly more to lead than other metals. But we do um, IV chelations in terms of in, in terms of getting out a lot, lots of different uh, heavy metals. We can do it through IV. We can even do it through suppositories, and we can do it orally as well. So there's all kinds of ways for people to get rid of that. Yeah. What is the reason for this? Why so much heavy metal poisoning today? Well, heavy metals can be found in your, your drinking supply. I mean, a lot of people now have filters on water, but, um, you know, some people have, the, you know, the traditional Brita filter, which doesn't, you know, doesn't really capture all the heavy metals. Um, there's, you know, heavy metals can be found in, you know, there's people who live in old houses, even when they were younger, with, you know, lead paint. Uh, people who have done, you know, have even people who get MRIs, even though gadolinium is seen as, a, as an inert, uh, metal, you know, it comes up high in people's systems than it is in your body. So it's something that you do want to get out. Um, even so, one thing that I don't know if people if people aren't aware of, they used to have uh, filling fillings used to be done with mercury, and I'm not sure if they're still. I, I think it's kind of been outdated. Most people know now not to get mercury fillings, but yeah. um, a lot of people have them in their mouth still, and if that leaks, or you know, then you have heavy metal toxicity, and it's really important to, you know, get those fillings out and, and, and replace them if you, if you still have a mercury filling. Yeah, that's a, a really important thing to do from, from what I've read about all of that. So that is, is really, really fascinating. So between the stress level that we all have in today's crazy world, mercury fillings or other exposure uh, whether it's through pesticides, too, because are there heavy metals in pesticides? So if people are not eating organically, they may be ingesting this stuff. Exactly. And, um, yeah, like you said, the pesticides, but even toxic chemicals in general, um, there's a test that will actually test for all the different 
toxic chemicals that are out there, and you can see how, how much of them are in your system, you know, uh, gasoline or, or little random compounds that you don't even think of, um, you know, that are in your um, deodorants, shampoos, hair dye, things like that, that, you know, build up in your system and in your body. You know, it's not supposed to be in your body, and your body still has to detoxify and deal with that. And when it's in your body consistently, it's, it, you're, you're creating a breeding ground for disease. Wow, there's just so much. And even for women, makeup, I've heard, has, can have a lot of toxins in it, uh, nail polish, things like that. Right, exactly. It's, it's things that we put on our, our, on our bodies daily, um, you know, will will accumulate in our system. Yeah, I, you don't think okay. about I know, PK, we may have to stop getting your nails done. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God, I'll start wearing gloves. <laughs> You may have to find another way. <laughs> but, no, all Incredible. of these things accumulate, you know, so it's not just one thing. It's all these household cleaners that we may be using too, right? Yeah, anything that's in the air um, can, you know, you can breathe those, breathe that in as well. Uh, it's, it's, it's really important to make sure that your, your detox pathways are working well. Sweating, you know, urinating, you know, again, with, with drinking water, um, making sure that you have, you know, bowel, normal bowel movements. Now, it's funny when I ask patients, you know, what are their bowel movements like? They say, oh, it's normal. Normal can range from two to three times a day, I've, I've heard, and I've heard once a week, and that people think that's Whoa. normal. That's, that's not a normal That's not a normal, normal bowel movement. So you, I always ask, so. how many bowel movements do you have, you know, daily? Because, you know, you should be going to the, to the bathroom daily, one to two times per day, and make sure you're getting getting all your toxins out of your system. Um, especially in the world that we live in with, with a lot of, you know, there's, there's certain things that you just can't control, but you can control um, how you detox for the most part. So it's really important to, that, you know, you pay attention to that. And if you're not detoxing appropriately, try to add and implement more ways to detox in your life. Yeah, that's really important. Um, now, one of the things I've heard repeatedly from a lot of different cancer programs and cancer patients is the use of coffee enemas now that we're on this topic. And is that something that is often included as a part of a protocol for either autoimmune or cancer patients? Yeah, yeah I'm, 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 I'm a proponent of enemas. Not, I, I don't like daily enemas. I, I, I prefer you to really get the foundation of having a natural bowel movement. However, with, with cancer, you, you, we want to be able to detox quickly and effectively. So I do, um, if, if patients are comfortable with, with enemas and doing coffee enemas, then I do guide them through, you know, that process. I am a fan of um, colonics, uh, or they call it uh, colonic hydrotherapy. Um, I actually got my first, first time I've done one was uh, about in, in March. And, you know, I, I got off the table and I was like, I'm never doing this again. And then I felt <laughs> amazing the next day. And then I'm just like, I'm yeah, definitely doing this that. again. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But I and I like to see anything that I that I tell my patient to do, I like to have tried it first. I don't want to just be the one to say, you know, um you should do this, you should do that and 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 I've never, you know, tried it myself. So and then then it's better I'm better I can be a better guide if I've done it myself. Um so I like to do a lot of the things that I tell my patients to do uh as well. And I am a proponent of um colonics. You definitely, you know, you you're cleaning out years of impacted feces that, you know, is just stored 
basically stored disease in there. So when you get that out of your system, it's, it's just a whole, you, you've, you've given your immune system and your body a chance to really just kind of breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah, that's tremendous. And now to have a colonic, there are places that offer this therapy, right? So somebody would go to some a medical place or a naturopathic yes, place yes. that is offering that? Exactly, yeah. There, there, there's places that offer um, colonics. It's pretty readily found in almost every state. Well, I think that's a great idea because if your colon's impacted, you may not even know it, right? Because you could be going to the bathroom thinking everything's fine, but yet you have, as you mentioned, years of accumulation just on the inside of the colon just hanging out there. Right, and the thing with the colonic that's different from an enema is that the colonic will get, you know, your full large, your full large intestine, your full bowels, and the colonic really mainly gets just to the sigmoid, just to the small portion of, you know, pretty much the end of, end of your colon. So you're really getting a full clean with a colonic. Wow, that sounds like a good treatment. And what about fasting? Because I see also you're you're very well versed in intermittent fasting, and tell us about that. Yeah, so fasting, I am a very strong proponent, especially with uh, cancer patients. And if you have a, a, someone who's very well versed in fasting around your chemotherapy, there's even studies that show that fasting um, protects the healthy cells and leaves the cancer cells out, you know, to, to get to get killed by the chemotherapy. So you really want to have that protective effect on your on your cancer on your, on your normal cells while doing undergoing a chemotherapy treatment because. The issue with chemotherapy is, is more is more the side effects that people you know face. So if you have that protective layer over your over your normal cells, you really lessen the chances of side effects. Um, so with fasting, you know people think like, oh, I need I need these nutrients to kind of keep me um, you know energized and well. But our bodies are actually genetically primed to go certain periods of time without food. You know, back in the days of the cavemen or, you know, way, way back when, um, you know, you would go out and you would hunt food, hunt and gather in the day, and then at night or in the evening, you would feast. So over time, our bodies kind of gotten used to that. It's, it's only recently that we have this kind of breakfast, lunch, and dinner pattern. That's, that's more a societal pattern. It's not necessarily how our bodies are, are generally primed. When our bodies are fasting for a certain period of time, it's actually turning on the, you know, uh, recycle and renew um, kind of process in our body that allows the cells to get a deep clean and a deep cleanse, releasing all those toxins, healing um, parts of the body that, you know, the body may not be able to get to because it's constantly doing something, whether that's, you know, digesting or moving around. Um, but more, the digestive process is a really... It is a it is a really it is a strong process. It's, 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 it it takes a lot of energy to digest food, and when you when your body has to constantly digest because you're eating you know breakfast snack lunch snack dinner snack, then you know you never give your body that time to really uh, rest and repair. So when you're talking about um, in your book about <clears throat> breakfast, it may not be the most important meal of the day. So maybe for some people it's better not to have breakfast. Is that what you're saying? True. Yeah. So um, it really, you really get, so the studies have shown that, you know, people who have done some sort of caloric restriction or intermittent fasting by skipping breakfast, uh, it allows 
the body to kind of normalize some of its metabolic um, its metabolic markers. So if someone has higher levels of inflammation, uh, high blood sugar, um, high hemoglobin A1C, there's so many um, so there's so many factors that 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 fasting really affects. So fasting is a very systemic um, treatment for the body, and it really allows you to have less of a metabolic risk. So it really lowers cardiovascular disease risk, lowers total inf- inflammation. And again, like we talked about before, um, inflammation is the gateway to chronic disease. So anything that can lower inflammation is something that is that you really want to incorporate into your lifestyle. So if somebody goes to sleep at, say, 10 o'clock at night and they get up in the morning and, you know, let's say it's 7, 7 a.m., then they shouldn't eat until about what time? if they wanted to participate in the intermittent fasting? So a popular intermittent fasting protocol is called the 16-8 method, and that's 16 hours fasted and an 8-hour eating window. Um, with, with, so 16 hours, you might think that's a, that's a long time, but number 8, like you said, 10, 10 p.m. to, what do you say, 7 a.m.? Right, uh-huh. something like that's that. That's about 9 yeah, so it's a lot of sleep. It's about nine hours of sleep. So nine hours of those 16 hours, you're, you're sleeping. So it's really only about seven hours that you're, that, that, you're, that you're not eating food. So say you wake up at 7 a.m., you want to you wanna be about three to four hours uh, with, with, with no uh, calories or no, no food in your system. The reason why that's important, especially after waking, is because your body burns off exogenous food first. So say so you stopped eating, if you went to bed at 10 and you stopped eating at 6 p.m. Uh, within zero, it takes about four hours for your body to go through the, the food that you just ate. Then it goes into to, to the stored sugar called glycogen. And then it, it burns through that for a portion of the night. And then it gets to your fat stores. So you want to be able to get to those fat stores. So by morning when you wake up, you really want to continue that fast from night. So you're really getting to the fat stores and getting that, you know, kind of rejuvenative effect and really kind of cleansing and, and detoxing on a on a daily basis. It's not as strenuous as, say, someone who's going to do a water fast or, or extended fast, but just having that daily um, break allows your body to kind of rest and, and, and renew on, on a daily basis. And when you are in that fasting period in the morning, does that mean no water, no coffee, no anything, not just so no you're, food? So you're allowed water and you're allowed anything with zero, zero calories. So water, tea is fine, um, black coffee is fine. Um, some people opt for MCT oil, but it really it, that does have calories in it, but it really depends on what your goal is. So a lot of people use intermittent fasting for weight loss, and with that, I would say stick to the zero calories for sure um, because you don't want any – you want to continue burning off the fat as opposed to burning what you're eating. Um, however, it, it, some people will use, you know, MCT oil just to kind of get that ketogenic process uh, going if they're on a ketogenic diet, um, and it gives them a little bit of energy. So it really kind of depends on what your goal is with intermittent fasting. Um, but overall, I like to say uh, zero calories. Water is fine, tea is fine, and black coffee is fine. The reason why black coffee is fine is because it does jumpstart your that, – that, that, that caffeine does jumpstart your metabolism. So if you are doing some sort of weight loss protocol, 
you know, you're kind of having a double a double uh, effect there. I see. A double, well, double meaning the fasting and the caffeine. Wow. Well, we have a question from someone who's called in, so let me grab this and see. Area code 440. Let's see who this is. Hi, you're live on the air. Do you have a question for Dr. Miles? Yes. Hi. Uh, my name is Patricia. I just called in. Um, what would you suggest, uh, Dr. Miles, uh, for a person who uh, was uh, diagnosed with uh, breast cancer early stage, stage zero one, about four years ago, uh, and it was suggested that um, the radiation and uh, lumpectomy first and then uh, the total mastectomy. Just a a woman just did the lumpectomy, didn't do any radiation, Uh, but then she does not have, you know, the insurance or money to invest in a naturopathic doctor, the services, or integrative medicine. And what she has been doing was with food. Um, yes, eating um, 90%, you know, veggies, you know, about 70% or 80% of that is raw, then others is cooked with some protein, uh, seafood and poultry. Um, and um, she's, what else? It uh, started taking... Uh, some vitamin C powder, the acerola, putting in her berry smoothie in the morning. Um, yes, I mean, I, I mean, I, so making making the changes that that you're doing is definitely, you know, starting with the nutrition. Uh, you you've mm-hmm. already hit the ninety percent of you know plant based foods. You're getting your nutrients. You're getting your mm-hmm. antioxidant support. In terms of the in terms of the fruits, though, you want to watch some of the higher sugar fruits. So you want to stick to more berries, apples, and pears. You don't want to necessarily do the, um, you know, mango, cantaloupe, watermelon. Those are those are really high in sugar. So you want to stick to the lower sugar. Um, what about foods. citrus fruits, the oranges and tangerines? And citrus I, is okay. I mean, it's higher in sugar, but it's it's not it's not it's not as bad as um, you know like watermelon, cantaloupe, and grapes. You can you can do you can do some citrus fruits here and there. Okay. Um, now, so I what have, I heard and did some reading on this turmeric powder, and I just the one that's used for seasoning. The I would just put that and just make a tea from that, uh, not the fresh root. Uh, but I realized that can thin the blood. And also, I started to use the um, sheesh, what is it? The oregano leaf oil and the um, I'm forgetting the other one, but not together. Uh, I'll do one maybe for ten days of the month. <clears throat> um, but as I said, you know that I don't have that income or that money to invest in, you know, the services of you know infrared, you know, saunas and um, you know, vitamin C IVs and <clears throat> rife frequency. Right. Gotcha. Um, so, of course, so, everyone's, uh, everyone's going to be different. So, right. So I say I, you started starting with the nutrition is great. Um, so let's start with things that necessarily don't cost um, a tremendous amount of money. So 
water, right. looking at your water intake. Are you getting, are you getting half your body weight in ounces in, in, in water to promote detox? Are you exercising? Um, exercising yes. increases. Yes. You are exercising. Okay, so you are exercising. You are getting a mm-hmm. good sweat from exercising. You don't necessarily need the infrared sauna to, to, um, mm-hmm. to promote sweating. If you're you're sweating yourself, uh, you know, if you're exercising, say with another layer of, you know, uh, another sweatshirt on to promote more sweating and more detoxification. Um, you can do a small walk after eating, after eating a meal so that when you, when you are eating, when you are getting, you know, glucose in your system, you're immediately utilizing that to, um, you know, from exercising or from walking. You're, you're immediately, immediately utilizing it in the muscles as opposed to the cancer cells being able to take them up. Um, you can do things such as, now I don't know price of it offhand, but you can, if you even, even if you had an air, an air filter to, uh, you know, kind of filter out, you know, things from the, from the air of your home, um, you know, doing, uh, you know, cleaning with products that are, you know, all natural, um, you know, even, even vinegar, apple cider vinegar, um, vinegar goes, vinegar goes a long way, you know, as a cleaning solution, you know, making sure that the chemical burden is low, um, in your house. Uh, you want to also make sure that you're taking, I would say, take a good, even even the multivitamin is a, is a good staple, but make sure you're getting uh, certain forms of the multi, so some methylated forms of uh, of B vitamins are a lot better than, so for instance, uh, B12, you want to get a methyl cobalamin as opposed to a cyanocobalamin. Of course, um, I can't go too too much into detail without knowing your history and, and, and you know, um, taking all that into incorporation, um, so I can't really get into dosages and, and, and specific supplements, but um, make sure you do your due diligence in terms of researching things that are, you know, anti-inflammatory, things that bring down inflammation. Um, a lot of teas with, you know, many different herbs or herb combinations in it, you know, well, teas can go a long way because you can get a lot of different herbs for, 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 for a lower price, um, and you can consistently, you know, dr- drink those teas throughout the day to help promote um, good health in your system. And, of course, I'm doing energy medicine healing modalities to address and deal with the traumas and abuses in my life. And, that's, and that's, get honestly, that's the best. The stress and getting rid of these toxic people. <laughs> right. So that, that, I'd say the majority of cancer patients that I've seen has been it, it, it's a result of some sort of emotional um issue or something that is some sort of stored trauma. So I am a proponent of energy work, energy healing, um, meditations, uh, Reiki, all of that um, is a huge component. And I find that when people have that release, you know, you're, you, you're, on, you're, you're on a better path towards better health, but you really now are living a better life in, in, in general. And you're, you're more happy. You're, you've, you've kind of released that emotional burden from your system. And I think that that goes a long way. Um, in terms of, you know, getting back to where you want to get back to. Yeah, I just have to get these uh, sugar cravings under control. So, <laughs> so actually, I have a little bit That's of advice for, for that for the sugar craving. So, um, say your you, you, your sugar craving was candy and cakes. You you mm-hmm. really you kind of have say so, so you you have to slowly go, so go to something that's less sugary. So. Even though I said, you know, to avoid this before, um, right. 
pineapples and cantaloupes and stuff like that, that's better than eating cakes and and um, and, and cookies. Yet you're still getting some sugar. So you get your you you, know, you get acclimated to whatever you do for a certain period of time. So even see people who are doing who are fasting, they're like, oh, I can't stay this long without eating. It's just like, well, well you don't have to start with four hours. You can do do one hour, then work to two, work okay. to three. After a while, you you just get used to it. Even with with um with not eating sugar, if you if you stop, if you slowly wean yourself down, you're going to get used to you. A blue blueberries are going to become your your, your dessert, and, and you, you're going to be satisfied with that. Now, it sounds absurd now, but when you start when you slowly work towards that, it, it becomes very mm-hmm. easy after a while. Right, right. Yeah, so I, I do I thank you, and then I'm working on getting that uh, money and income where I can invest in, you know, uh, a naturopathic or integrative doctor and uh, to be able to get those services, but also I know uh, and I've been reading and researching on keeping my immune and digestive system, which they're both connected, getting that healthy and really stronger in right. the gut, because they're all, they're both connected. Uh, for sure. All right. Well, well thank you uh, so much for your call. You've raised some really important questions tonight. Thank you. Thank you. And good luck. Yes, thank you. That was a beautiful question. Thank you. Have a good, good evening. You thank too. you. Yeah, you know, this is one of, I find, the most upsetting things to me. Uh, there's so many of these therapies are out of pocket. And it becomes unaffordable fast for people who aren't feeling well to start, and they can't work, and then they don't have the income, and then they can't afford this kind of thing. But your answers were so helpful. Dr. Miles, because you gave some great suggestions on how to handle this just from the ground level up. So I'm really glad yeah, no, you called me, I've, in. I've, yeah, I've, 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 I completely understand that. I mean, you know, with our services, it's not not covered by insurance. You know, it's not a lot of these things are can become expensive. Um, a lot of the times, what what I kind of answered to that, especially with even even with our appointments, I've even gotten you know. When when a naturopath doesn't take insurance, it's like, oh, why don't you take insurance? But it's like I also I can't in order for me I I cannot give you the care that I want to give you if I were to take insurance because I would have to, you know, see a slew of patients in a day and you, I would only be able to talk to you for fifteen twenty minutes. I mean, have you, if you've gone to some some primary care doctors where you you're only in, you're in the waiting room for an hour and a half, but you're only in his room for like fifteen minutes, in and out. You know, I would I wouldn't be able to be able to give you the proper care that I want to give you, um, and by spending you know an hour hour and a half with you, so that's why I choose you know not to uh, not to go down with the insurance route, and then I feel like I definitely give my patients better service you know by being uh, not with insurance. Yeah, exactly. It's, it can be very limiting, and then you're also sometimes stuck with the standard of care nonsense, which doesn't do anyone any good. But also, there is a spiritual crisis involved in an illness, right? I know you mentioned body, mind, spirit before in meditation. And and this lady, Patricia, who called in, also mentioned getting toxic people out of her life, which that's important, too. All of it is. For sure. Um, I, I never like to – I always ask in my intake, you know, uh, about traumas, um, energetic block, blockages or things that, you know – the patient has gone through in life, um, 
because it, that, that's such an integral part to your what causing disease. I find that, you know, there's always a stressful component or something happened, whether that be, you know, a divorce or, or, or some, there could be even like a sexual abuse of someone when they were younger, that something that, <clears throat> some, something that, you know, the patient didn't work through or, or has to kind of uncover that would be at the root cause of, of your, um, of your illness. So, I mean, the emotional and mental aspect is to me just as important as any, any physical, um, aspect of, of, of the cause. Yes, I agree completely with that. It has to be a component of healing or there will be no healing, no matter what you do on the physical plane, in my opinion, because you're right. There is so much that has to be addressed emotionally, um, and spiritually, because we're not just a physical entity. There's more to us than that. And certainly, there, I mean, having been a therapist for many years, I've worked with many people who had very difficult childhoods, dysfunctional childhoods, and they didn't have a way back then to work through those types of things. It, it was, again, there weren't the uh, the techniques we have today. And the techniques we right. have today, which are much more efficient and, and can break through some of those old pain and pains and hurts that make such a big difference. So it all right. it all has to be addressed. So is there exactly. any particular type of meditation that you end up recommending to people? Um, so I like to so I'm I, I prefer um, not following a, a track. I prefer you know getting the mind uh, working or, or being good at or trying to get better at you know, calming the mind down and um, focusing on no thought. I know, of course, it's hard, but, you know, when you when you have that ability to kind of control your mind that way, um, then you can, you kind of control your destiny. So that's why I kind of like um, not, I kind of like not following a specific track and kind of just allowing your spirit to kind of guide you in a way. However, mm-hmm. I mean, if you do follow a track, I don't, I don't mind that. I don't mind that, you know, it's whatever works for you personally. I mean, I meditate daily say about uh, 20 to 30 minutes a day, but I don't, I don't necessarily, um, you know, have a hard, hard out or, or, or like this is when it's done, I kind of just go with my spirit and go with, you know, the flow and, you know, whatever comes up, comes up and, you know, whatever I need to work through or whatever I can work through, I kind of do. Um, but the whole spiritual aspect and meditation is just is a huge part of my practice and um, just my life in general. Actually, I don't know if you know. So my my practice is called attracting wellness, and I call it yes. attracting wellness because I'm I'm a huge proponent of the law of attraction, and and you know that mental state you have to have that mental state of that you're going to get better, that you see yourself as what you want to be, you see your health picture as you know where you where you want to go. Like your health goal is you know is, is who you are. You're not your disease. So and I believe in instilling that kind of mindset in my patients. So that's kind of why I named my practice attracting wellness. Oh, I like that. That's wonderful. That, oh, that's yeah. excellent. Yeah, that's a lot of what we talk about on the show, too. So <clears throat> let's go back to Epstein-Barr, because that is a very mysterious illness in a lot of ways. And it affects, as you mentioned, so many people. And my understanding about that and listening to Anthony Williams talk about it is there's many different stages of it and many different mutations of it that we don't even have a way to identify yet. Do you find that to be true? Uh, so, so when I test for Epstein Barr, um, I, I, I test Epstein Barr along with 
a lot of different things. I never look at Epstein-Barr alone just because the reactivation of Epstein, I don't, it's, it's, almost, it's almost like a rabbit hole in a way, kind of like Lyme. I don't want to just see Epstein-Barr as being, you know, the, the, the main thing or, or seeing Lyme as being the, the main issue. It's really the environmental factors around that that allowed that to flourish, that allowed the virus to kind of um, take over in a way. So in terms of testing for Epstein-Barr, it, it is a little, it's a little ambiguous, um, so which is why I kind of do a lot of other tests along with the Epstein-Barr. The Epstein Bar has gotten, like you said, you know, from Anthony Williams, has gotten a lot of uh, a lot of light, um, you know, because he says that Epstein Bar is at the root cause of a lot of things. But in order for Epstein Bar to flourish, there has to be a weakened immune system. So what I look at more is, you know, kind of correcting or or, or implementing things that that uh, increase or you know um, make the immune system stronger, and and that's kind of more what I focus on. And Lyme disease is that you do you approach that in the same way? Uh, yes, I do. I do look at the environmental factors with Lyme disease. However, lately with my Lyme disease patients, I've gotten I've gotten a lot of them through through the RGCC. So um, just that new new modality uh, of the SOP treatment for that has really worked wonders on a lot of. Uh, Lyme patients, but I, I do look at a lot of the environmental and, and gut health of the patient. I know, you know, gut health is, is key to um, the healing of the gut is really what, what's key in terms of healing chronic disease because your immune system does start in your gut. Uh, so if your gut is dysfunctional, then your whole immune system is dysfunctional. So I do look at, um, when I look at Lyme, I definitely look at, you know, your your, your good bacteria versus your bad bacteria. Um uh, all the environment, like parasites, mold, and stuff like that. So I do look at the environmental picture. I mean, it's a lot. There's it, it, a lot of similarities in terms of of, of, of treatments because it's it, it's a lot of these diseases are environmentally based, and it, it's not just um, you know the infection itself. Yeah, because there's been a lot of research about doxycycline so i mean that's usually the the treatment you get bit by a tick you have the bullseye they they give you doxycycline for a number of weeks and now they're saying it doesn't work well so it's because so it's better in 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 an acute you just got bit by the tick you know three three to to 20 days you want to give an antibiotic but for the people that are suffering with some sort of chronic picture with with chronic lyme disease they're no longer they're going to test positive necessarily for for Lyme, and they're still coming up with symptoms. So, you know, a conventional doctor is like, you know, you're the worst thing I've heard is like, oh, you're making it up. Um, but so that's why what we, the, the, those conventional antibiotics don't can't can't treat that because what happens after after a long period of time is that the Lyme bacteria creates what is called a biofilm, or and, and, and it kind of hides in in, in, the, in the body, and that doesn't get picked up by by doxycycline. So we use, you know, more herbal protocols and other supplements to kind of um, uncover the, the Lyme bacteria. And it's, it's, it's the herbal protocols that really work better for chronic Lyme than the antibiotics. Well, thank goodness something works because there's a lot of people who are suffering with, with Lyme disease, that is for sure. And it can be deadly, which a lot of people didn't know. Right. Exactly. It's, so now um, you have a lot of Lyme patients you mentioned that you didn't expect to have, I guess, all of a sudden. Right. 
That's yeah. So it, I mean, are people just? I mean, is this again being transmitted specifically through ticks? I've also heard it's being transmitted through mosquitoes now. Yeah, it, and there's even one case that they say it was potentially sexually transmitted. Um, oh my God! So I mean, yeah. So I mean, it's it, it's any it's it can be transmitted, you know, through uh, it's mainly through ticks, but a lot a lot of different animals, and then. On top of Lyme, you have um, co-infections as well, Babesia, Bartonella, Ehrlichia, Anaplasma, Rickettsia. There's so many other co-infections that, you know, if people didn't test for the co-infections, you know, they may, they may, may miss, um, they may miss, you know, an integral part of their disease picture. Yeah, and it seems like some of these things can be dormant, like Epstein-Barr, <clears throat> and then raise their ugly head. And I would imagine the same could be true of these co-infections from Lyme. Right, exactly. They just they can they can spark up out of nowhere. It's usually, again, with, with times of where the immune system is down, um, chronic stress, some sort of trauma, um, and they can just you know pop up out of nowhere. Which is why people generally don't suffer consistently with the same Lyme systems. They have flare-ups. Right. Yeah, it's it's just horrible. All of these chronic illnesses are more than a handful, but. Again, you have protocols in place. You have wonderful blood tests available through RGCC. And for anybody who wants to look it up, it's rgccusa.com. And so you have tools at your disposal that a lot of medical doctors don't choose to have or just uh, don't have, period. Let's put it that way. So you're bringing a lot to the table. When somebody comes to see you, you have a lot to offer, which is which is really hopeful because when anybody gets a diagnosis of any of these horrible things, it's terrifying, whether it's cancer, autoimmune, Epstein-Barr, it doesn't matter. It's very scary stuff because there is no one pill that you take to get better. So there has to be a protocol that you can examine, and there isn't a one-size-fits-all with any of this. Exactly. It, it, it has to be an individualized process, uh, especially when you're dealing with chronic illness, because chronic illness goes all over the place. There's no, uh, there's no. It, it's never textbook. You know what, what what we learn in medical school, it, it it changes when you get to the real world. It's just like uh, the the picture never looks exactly what it is in the textbook, and you have to really dig and find out exactly what caused what, or or, or how can you affect. Uh, you know the body in terms of improving its immune system or improving um, the body's resiliency in, in dealing with disease. And when it comes to the gut, my understanding is that some of the bacteria that gets wiped out from antibiotic use, it it can't come back. It can't regrow. And we're also not savvy enough yet to grow some of these things in the lab. So we can't even duplicate it in the lab and reintroduce it to the system. Yeah, it's kind of challenging. It does, yes. I mean, sometimes one course of antibiotics can can take, you know, uh, six months to, to, to recover from that for some people. Uh, and some people found that their gut, their gut function is just, you know, worsened ever since they had, you know, some sort of antibiotic treatment. Or just in people who you know, and and the thing is, we give sometimes we give these rounds of antibiotics to kids that are one and two years old, and you know it, it, that's when their body is just developing. Their you know their gut bacteria is just developing, and then we even have, um, you know, b- babies who are actually 
vaginal births are, are at a at a better uh, advantage than those who are C-section because when the baby passes through the vaginal canal, they're actually getting the flora from uh, from the woman passed on to the baby, you know, to, to kind of prep them for, you know, the, the, the external world. So when you have a C-section, you know, the, you're not getting that advantage. Or, or, patient, or babies who are, you know, taken off of breast, uh, breast milk too early and be put, put onto formula, you're missing a lot of the nutrients, you know, that, that, that's necessary to, you know, prepare you to come into this world. So you're already at a somewhat of a disadvantage, you know, coming in, uh, you know, if you're not properly prepared. Right. Oh, my goodness, so much. Well, Dr. Miles, this has been just such an informative evening with you. Thank you so much for taking your time to join us today. And I hope you'll come back because this is a very exciting topic. And, again, you have so much great information. So thank you so very much. And please, again, give your email so people can contact you. Of course. It's been my pleasure. I love this discussion, and I will be welcome to come on again. And oh, you can contact you. me at, at <clears throat> you can contact me at info i n f o at d r hannibalmiles dot com. That's h a n n i b a l m i l e s. Terrific! Thanks again, Dr. Miles. So next week, everybody, we'll be Wonderful. back with another oh. show. And until then, guess what? We'll see you on the Blue Highway. Stay well and good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls.